Hi, I'm Elena Joe, and this is episode 13 of Big Picture Relationships. Living small is wasting your life. I'll cover four ways that I see we all get trapped in living small and carefully, and I will share encouragement and suggestions for how to live fully instead. Thanks for joining us. This is Big Picture Relationships with Elena Joe, a therapist sharing insights, ideas, and real-life pep talks that encourage you to expand your perspective, maybe shift some behaviors, and make the most of real-life relationships so you can live a happy life right now. So I bought the most delicious mint chocolate chip ice cream bars at Costco last month. They were on sale. They were delicious. They did not taste healthy like the Greek yogurt that they were made out of, you know, 100 calorie bars. And we put them in the deep freezer at my house and my kids adored them. I let them all try one, loaded them up in the deep freezer, started saving them for special occasions. And they would come and ask me, mom, can we have one? And I'd say, no, let's have one this weekend. Or mom, I know, let's have an ice cream bar. And I'd just say like, no, we already had dessert today. And so here it is a month later and we ate them. And guess what? They're frostbitten they're wasted. No good. Three whole boxes of them because, you know, they were on sale. So I bought a lot. And if this is not the perfect simple metaphor for what I want to talk today about, which is living too small and careful, I don't know what is. I want to talk a little bit about how most of us subconsciously live small. We live careful. We're worried that the good things we have will run out. You know, like I was worried those ice cream bars I bought on sale would run out and then have to buy them at full price. Or maybe we're worried that we just shouldn't have it this good. We could not be this happy. We couldn't have something this great. Like it feels totally too glamorous to have a mint chocolate chip ice cream bar on a Wednesday afternoon for snack time. Or maybe we're insecure about things. So we'd rather play it small and quiet and careful. Or we're caught up waiting. We're waiting for a better time that just never seems to come. We're going to talk today about living small, living carefully, and the risks that come from not fully existing through each of four different patterns. Let's start with the first one, scarcity. Some of you may have heard that word. Scarcity refers to this mindset that we have a scarce commodity of things. We're worried that we're going to run out of them or we don't have enough time. It's maybe an idea that kind of comes along with capitalism, which makes me laugh because I'm going to be a guest on a capitalist podcast in a few weeks talking about how it gets in the way of our mental health and relationships. But anyway, side note, scarcity. We're worried that the things we love will run out or there's just not enough good to go around. How many of you, when you colored with crayons as a kid, would use them carefully or color lightly because you didn't want to ruin the tips of them or you didn't want your siblings to use your box of crayons because you had them just so. That is scarcity mentality, not wanting to use up this good thing you have for fear of the fact that you don't know when you're going to get more. Nowadays, I buy crayons when they're 50 cents going back to school. So if any of you still treat your crayons that way or don't want your children to ruin yours, please message me and I will mail you a 50 cent box. I really will. Okay, as an adult version, how many of you buy an expensive pair of jeans and they're so expensive or they're so nice or you love them so much that you start saving them for a special occasion or you're worried about wearing them around your kids or wearing them on the weekend so you don't wear them unless the conditions are just right. And then how many of us though have changed sizes or the weather changed and then we changed sizes or maybe the style changed. You know, what used to be skinny became baggy. What used to be low-waisted became high-waisted. How many of us have never gotten full life out of those expensive jeans we love just because we were saving them for the right time? 
I remember as a kid eating leftovers or some not glamorous meal at my grandma's house. And we were having a picnic in her front room and we were on this really nice blanket. And I complimented her on it and said, why are we eating on the good dishes, grandma? And she said, Lainey, we've had these things sitting in the drawers and in the cupboards for years, thinking that we would use them on a special occasion. And if we don't use them now, when will we use them? Scarcity mentality is not just about our possessions, though. That helps me set the stage for you understanding what it means. Scarcity also has to do with the way we live in the world around us, in soaking in the air, soaking in the sights, the sounds, the smells, the people, the eye contact, the hugs. Sometimes our scarcity mentality bleeds over to thinking that those things might be limited or we better savor them when it's the right time. Smiles, laughs, hugs, compliments, these things are not limited. They're unlimited. In fact, we have this wealth of a well that we can draw from and share with others as well as receive in return. The opposite of living small is living large. Can you wake up? Can you grow your presence? Can you expand the light and the love that you have to share? Every morning, I pray with my kids before they head off to school. And after thanking our creator for this wealth of amazing things around us, because we are so blessed, I always say something that sounds a lot like this. Please bless that we can share the love and the light that we have. Please help us to watch for someone who needs a smile or a hug or a kind word and help us share these blessings that we have with others. This is a prayer I carry in my heart every day. We need to get rid of scarcity mentality in living our lives, whether it's with our possessions or sharing of ourselves and connecting with the people around us. These are unlimited in quantity. And the more we embrace them and the more we focus on them, the better we can live large. The second way that we live small has deeply religious roots. And don't worry, I'm not talking about your religion today. I'm not even talking about the last 100 or 200 years of religion. I want to go way, way back to our puritanical roots. In America, the very first settlers were deeply religious. Many were Puritans. and These were people that couldn't laugh too loud, talk too loud. They were not too free in behavior. Everything was very tightly controlled and prim and proper. And even as much as a few hundred years ago, Mary and Laura in Little House on the Prairie, any of you who read that, they describe careful, quiet evenings of proper behavior and proper volume of speaking and, you know, letting other people go first. Almanzo, who Laura later married, in his book, it talked about sitting silently in church and even all day Sunday with his family. He could not even fidget his hands. They couldn't laugh. They had to behave so carefully. Early American religions were founded in this tradition, and whether your family's religious or not, a handful of generations back, your ancestors would have understood this, and it permeated the culture in so many different ways. So whether this is in our DNA or whether it's in our ancestral tradition, subconsciously many of us feel like we should not enjoy ourselves too much. And if we feel too happy, it's like we're waiting for the other shoe to drop because surely Life isn't meant to be that happy. We're supposed to be here to be tried and to prove ourselves. And we feel guilty for living large. We feel guilty for embracing beauty and having a cup that's overflowing nonstop. Surely that couldn't be right, right? 
Now, I'm not talking about living large in like a YOLO sort of way. You only live once. You know that phrase. That to me is very selfish. Or even in my religious tradition in the Book of Mormon, it was the wicked people who said, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. So I am not talking about taking everything you can get because, you know, this is it and this is your one chance. I'm talking about letting go of the guilt, this kind of subconscious guilt that we feel when we do things like read our favorite book instead of folding the laundry or getting the dishes done, or when we're binge watching our favorite show and not being productive at all, or when we leave the house totally messy and pick up our family and go to the park or drive up to the mountains instead, you have to admit that there's a teeny little bit of guilt that comes along with those when you're doing these big, living, large, beautiful things. So you just feel a little bit guilty. Um, just me? Maybe it's just me? No, I really think it's all of us. We feel a little bit of guilt when we're just having a good life. When we're eating a delicious meal, we should be able to do that without feeling like, oh, it's too indulgent or this is just too much. We feel guilty for so many things that are innocently beautiful and fun or even really good for us, like taking a trip away, taking a date night with out your kids, even though they're mad at you or crying at home with the babysitter, if you're ignoring your family to finish that page-turning novel that you just can't put down, those are things we feel guilty of in this puritanical way, like we're being too selfish or too self-indulgent in living fully. And of course, there's a balance to those things. You can't do those things every day. Don't ignore your family forever and read. But in balance, we should not be feeling guilty for things that are light and good and bring joy and happiness in living. And it's important that we remember our puritanical roots and shy away from that idea that if we're enjoying ourselves too much, surely it couldn't be a good thing. And again, if you only live once mentality is selfish, to me, living large is embracing the good things that life has to offer you and embracing that without that quiet guilt that accompanies it, without that nagging feeling that you probably shouldn't be too happy or feel so happy. This is living with so much light and happiness inside of you that it overflows, even if it doesn't look prim and proper in a way our puritanical ancestors would be proud of. I want us to live the opposite of the Puritans. If their goal was to live small and careful, let's show up and live large. You deserve to be happy and to share that happiness with others. Okay, the third reason that I think we live small is because we're insecure or self-conscious. My grandma Wood was full of life. She was silly. She was thoughtful. She was everyone's favorite grandma. We have to admit it. She just made you feel like a million bucks when you were with her. And she smiled readily, easily. Her love permeated a room. And it was not until my adult years that I realized she started looking different in pictures. And I wondered why. And I figured out that my whole childhood, anytime she was in photo, she never smiled. And as when I was an adult, so she was in her much later years, she had some dental work done and fixed the tiniest little gap in her front teeth, almost imperceptible. I had never even noticed it or thought about it before. But once she had this beautiful smile, oh, her smile lit up photos. And so in her later years, I have the most beautiful smile on just captured forever. But she missed years of cheerful, larger-than-life photos. Luckily, she was that way in real life, but I don't have any picture documentation of it because she was so self-conscious of her smile that she wouldn't let it be shown in photos. And I, therefore, I don't have any photographic evidence of this grandma from my youth in the way that I most remember her, all because of a nearly imperceptible imperfection. 
that she would absolutely hate that I'm talking about. But hopefully from the other side, she's happy for me to use her as an example to teach you this lesson. What are we self-conscious of? What do we live small to avoid or to hide or to not expose that vulnerability? With my new perspective that I've gained in the last few years about this, I'm pretty mad actually about all the years that I missed adding comments and thoughts in college lectures and work meetings or in Sunday school classes because I was worried that I wouldn't like clearly and concisely make my point, all while admiring the bravery of others who were confident enough to show up and make their comments and their points, even if they wasted 90 seconds of our time. What do you have to share or what do you have to experience that potentially you're waiting to do until you fix some insecurity or until, you know, you get a little more perfect or that thing isn't an issue anymore? I can do nothing but chuckle, ironically, because there's nothing I can do about it, to think of the years that I didn't wear shorts or I wouldn't wear a swimsuit or that I didn't want to get in the water because I didn't want to have wet hair and look bad for the rest of the day. All of these experiences that I missed out on that I'll never get back. I will never get back that body I had in my 20s that I was like so ashamed of at the time. And that's fine. I mean, that's real life. That's aging. But how lame that I was insecure enough that I lived carefully and I lived boringly in my self-protection efforts that I've missed out. What is like that for you? Now, we all love people who show up. They show up loud and confident in their vulnerability. Picture this. It's the person at a party who's telling their story about dropping their groceries and the bag broke and pickle jar broke and they had to get help and cans are rolling down, you know, or telling the story about how their kid threw up all over them in a restaurant and they had to borrow someone's shirt. Or it's the story about they, them taping their thighs when they started running to avoid chafing and we're all laughing. You know, these are like insecure, embarrassing things. Those are the people that we gravitate toward. Their energy, their confidence, their hilarity at real life and messy life is just infectious. Nobody remembers or wants to hang out with that perfect person. That mom at the party who's well-coiffed and perfectly thin and all her children are well-behaved and she's read every Brene Brown book cover to cover and has excellent things to talk about and prim and proper. Or that guy at the office who always has the best haircut and his rippling biceps show through his shirt and, you know, his life just seems perfect. Nobody even wants to be friends with that person. We'd rather hang around the messy, loud person at the party so why do we want to be that perfect person? Why do we want to be the well-coiffed lady? Am I even saying that right? Coiffed? Coi anyway, there you go. That's what I get for being a reader and not a anyway, TV watcher. <laughs> okay, you wouldn't even want to be friends with that person. So why do you want to be them? Own it. Own who you are. Own these imperfections. You don't have to live small and insecure and wait until you're a little more perfect before you start to show up in your life. Show up anyway live so large that it overflows and draws people to you. All right, the fourth reason we live small is that we are waiting. What are we waiting for? I don't know. Are we waiting for a better time? Are we waiting for more money? We're waiting for our kids to be older. A woman that I work with saved money her whole life. She and her husband raised a beautiful family and lived carefully, though, lived frugally, saved their money so that later on, once their children were gone, they could travel in their retirement. Well, retirement time came, and one of them had cancer, and then the other one had cancer, and they took turns having surgeries and recoveries and radiation and chemo, and they are advanced in years now, and they will never be able to go very far away. 
They will never be able to explore this beautiful world and and live their dream. So she tells all of us, uh, these female colleagues who are younger, she says, do not wait. Don't wait for what you want to do because waiting too long, I missed my opportunity. I missed out on my dream. Waiting also happens, though, in smaller, less conspicuous ways. I always thought that I would have a big family. I assumed I'd have four to five kids, and I didn't realize it at the time, but for a while there, I was just stuck in waiting for my childbearing years to be over. It's like, oh, here goes this pregnancy. Just get it over with before I would then turn my attention to being a fun mom and doing things like all the cute clothes or a cute nursery or craft projects together. Now, the joke's on me because baby four, five, or six never came. And luckily, pretty early on, I caught myself in that pattern of waiting. And I woke up to the fact that I was like, hey, wait, these are my kids. These are the only times they're going to be little. This is the only birthday parties I get to throw. These are the only cute clothes I get to buy, even though they're more money than I want to spend. Like, this is it. This is my one chance to do this. So what are you waiting for before you start living the way you always wanted to or being the person you always wanted to? If, you know, you could ask your 15-year-old self who you thought you'd be by this age or what you thought you were you would be like, just be that person. Why not? What are you waiting for? Because if you're waiting to show up in your life, stop it. You will never repeat today. You just lost another day. Live large in a way that's happiest for you so that you can look back at these years with no regrets. This is your life too. Your life doesn't begin when that thing that you're waiting for starts. Life is happening now, so live it. This leads me to a beautiful and compelling conclusion. Stop living small because you don't know when your ending is. I really don't want to be morbid. This isn't going to get all morbid here. But the fact is that this life, the way you know it, is what you get. It doesn't matter what you believe comes next. This right here and now is the only way it's going to be the way it is now. And if you're living smaller than you'd like to because you're worried there's not enough of you or your things to go around or because you just shouldn't be too happy or if you stay small because you're not perfect yet or because you're waiting for a better time to start showing up, you might meet your end stuck in that place. And what a waste it would be to depart this world not having fully interacted with it, participating in the beauty that the world has to offer and sharing your light through living large in return. In the New Testament, Jesus says that he came so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Isn't that a cool word? Doesn't that sound like living large to you? Abundance is the opposite of scarcity mentality. It's the opposite of living small. Live abundantly. Additionally, in the New Testament, Jesus gives a parable of the talents. Remember, he gave a great sum of money to some different servants to invest. He, I mean, the guy in the story. And when that guy came back, it was the servants who played it safe and small that he was the very most displeased with. So if we're here to have life abundantly, we'd better embrace all we can and then use that to fill us up and return our fullness to the world, even if that's as simple as deeply showing up in your small circle of influence. I'm not saying you have to live large and start a company or begin an orphanage or foster 26 kids. I just mean live large and embrace what you have and return what's in you to others. Stop living so carefully and so small. My love to you all as you find the next baby step toward living large. This world is beautiful and I hope that you embrace all the good that you can. This is our one chance to do it. Don't live small, live big and live happy. 
Thanks for joining me. Happy hack. In my effort to share more light, more love, and more happiness in life, I love to leave notes for people. And I'm not always great at taking the time to do that. Let's be honest. So I've purchased a few small, colorful books over the years when you find them at somewhere like Hobby Lobby or World Market. Uh, Little affirmations, kind statements, you know, things like you are beautiful or famous quotes. And often they're on colored pages with art. And those are so easy to cut out or to rip out or use an X-Acto knife to score a page, slide one out and leave it on a dashboard or put it on someone's pillow or their desk or in a kid's lunch. Uh, Or grab something beautiful, even if it's just colored post-it notes or little slips of paper that you can scribble a quick compliment or a thoughtful thing on and leave that for your loved ones. When we share our love and appreciation in every place we can, it is a step toward living large. Talk to you next time. Visit www.elenajo.co for show notes and random photos, along with any handouts mentioned in this episode. Find elenajo.co on Instagram for daily big picture reminders and join the big picture email list for an occasional pick me up in your inbox from Elena Joe. Thanks for joining us.